the world. It's your boy, the nonprofit sector connector. That's right. Every single week here on Philanthropy and Focus, we do two things for nonprofits. I do my best to help them tell their story and amplify their message. Talk about message. Talk about mission. My mission is just that, is to get out here and every single week bring you another leader of a nonprofit organization. You know I say this if you've ever visited with me in real life or in fake life or pretend life or, I don't know, virtual reality. Maybe I have to have my own virtual reality thing pretty soon, that seems to be. I see my kids walking around with this Oculus around the house, which, Maria, I can't put down on my face that Oculus because I get dizzy. I could barely get in a car and let somebody else drive me. Like if you, if you and I were going somewhere together, I'd be like, do you mind if I drive or, um, or maybe I'll meet you there. Like I don't, well, I get kind of motion sickness and the whole thing. So, so Oculus is really not my scene. So maybe some, some other kind of reality, but the point is every week we come together. And if you've met me before, you know how passionate I am about this nonprofit sector. Why? Because the nonprofits change our world consistently, constantly, every second, every minute, hour, day, year, the whole thing. Look, 600,000 people in New York City are employed by nonprofit organizations. It's a big deal. 33, some $33.6 billion. That might have been just another employee of a nonprofit email me right there because I didn't shut off my emails. So I'll do that during our break. So that's why we're here. We're here to learn. We're here to, I'm here to learn, but I'm also here to educate when I can. When I know some information, I'm here to share it. And we're here to feature another organization each week, which we do. You listen here on talkradio.nyc. You pay attention on Facebook. And after the fact, we'll be on all your podcast platforms, wherever you go get your podcast as well. So it's a live show that turns into a podcast. All right. So without really further ado today, the only thing I want to say is as we sit here today, it is March the 11th, 2022. The applications, if you're listening in the New York City area, the application for the New York City Imagine Awards are available. Go to nycimagineawards.com or reach out to me. Tommy D at philanthropyandfocus.com is the email. P-H-O-C-U-S is how you spell focus. At least that's how I spell focus. And that's how you would get me. Without further ado, I want to dive right into our conversation earlier than we typically do because we have a lot to cover and it's an important topic. So Maria Alvarez is here. She has her master's degree in nonprofit and organizational management from the New School. She's the executive director of the New York Statewide Senior Action Council and the Brooklyn-wide Interagency Council on Aging. So Maria, I usually read like a whole bunch of stats about people. Oh, don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> you know why I don't want to? Because I don't really love when people introduce me. I like to introduce myself. So I figure who better to sort of tell your story, right? And tell where you came from, what's what, you know, I always like to say, and we've talked about this before the show, like what brought you to this work, whether it be nonprofit generally or more specifically to the senior community. So if we could start there, uh, let's just dive into this conversation. And as we've talked about, I have some questions along the way. And before we know it, I'll say, hey, it was great having you on the show. Thanks so much for being here because it goes like a blip. So, so tell us about you. Well, first of all, thank you very much, Tommy, for having me on your show. Um, I could just tell you that your uh, your following and your network is is expansive because I keep on getting um, you know alerts on my Twitter on on our on our our New York statewide um, Facebook and LinkedIn and everything. So um, about about my show coming up. So right, right. You're you. a big you're a big deal. You're, you're, you're <laughs> no, but it, it just shows what your reach is. So so I am very honored to be here right. and, and happy to be able. To, to, to talk about um, our work. Um, I, I've been in, in, the, uh, in the area of aging uh, for some time now, um, for over 25 years, let's say. But um, when, I, when I first started in the world of work, um, I, uh, I started out with, with youth and uh, working with, with underserved um, populations, youth populations. And, and I really liked it a lot. And um, I worked there for five years. And it was very exciting because, you know, the energy that, that children or adolescents, really teenagers have is, is incredible. It's undeniable. But then um, I got an opportunity to work um, with the Institute for the Puerto Rican Hispanic Elderly, which is one of the major organizations in New York City um, in terms of senior services for uh, for all minority populations, especially Hispanic and Puerto Rican. But um, it, it was 
you know, it was interesting because at the beginning I thought, oh, this is going to be so boring. I would tell my friends, oh, it's so boring dealing with seniors. They're probably, you know, who knows. Um, but I have to tell you that from day one, I became the biggest, the, the biggest fan of older people. And I'll tell you why. There is nothing more, um, more interesting than somebody who's actually lived life. You cannot buy experience. So people who are um, who've actually lived day to day have have a certain perspective of life that, you know, that younger people. And certainly when I was that young, also, I didn't have that. And, you know, I would I could uh, I could drown in a, in a glass of water where they would say, you know, I went through this or have you looked at it this other way? And it was true. So I have to tell you that I learn every single day from my members. Um, and not only, and, and it doesn't really matter, um, you know, obviously people come from different walks of lives, different, different stations, different, you know, economic and, and educational levels, but they always have, but I always learn something from them because of exactly that they have been through something that I have not been yet perhaps, or they went through it differently. So, so that's why I thought, I think it's um, it's interesting. I it's a field that is fascinating, and honestly, we should all be so lucky to be able to get to the age that if you if you live sixty five, seventy five, eighty five, ninety five, a hundred years, you you know you should be lucky to get there. And you said thank you, and and it's it's I don't know I don't know what it is, and maybe it's some similar to what you're talking about, but I've always been attracted to. Well, I'm always attracted to people, period. I like, mm-hmm. my, like I'd be away with my friends and like not even hanging out with them, be like meeting new people because like my deal is my kids laugh or they used to laugh. Now they'll just say, yeah, dad, we know. But I say a stranger is a friend that I haven't met yet. And I believe that I really Absolutely. we're all connected, right? And we can learn so much from each other. And uh, I, there's it aside from me just wanting to meet people as a, as a general thing, I always liked older folks i always felt connected to that and you know people might say oh you're an old soul or whatever all that kind of stuff means but i just felt like i was attracted to that and maybe i was attracted to and you know for a long time i had all four of my grandparents alive till i was uh, you know in my 20s so i so that's pretty good for some people you know um we still have my grandmother still living and uh let's see my father will be 71 so she'll be, she just turned 91 or, or maybe she'll be 92 in May. Actually, I think it, mm-hmm. I, I lived a healthy life, right? The whole thing. She's, she's still with us. So I was always attracted to that. You and I were just talking before the show and I was saying, we were talking about how other societies, not to knock our country, but um, in my experience, other societies really, or other cultures, I guess is a better way to say it really revere and honor that the the older people in their families and their communities because why what i mean there's so much wisdom there so, t- right. so right tell me about your experience with that just like you, you know you're meeting people who've been through so much you, you in your experience 25 plus years you've met probably folks who've been through war times right serious yeah. you know like world world war ii maybe even world world war one depending on when you were doing some of this, you know, as their older years or the depression, right? They have stories. Yes. I have to tell you, I have a couple of interesting stories that, 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 you know, gave me a great perspective on that. So, um, you know, our organization is, is largely, we, we provide services, but we also do a lot of um, advocacy and, and, and a lot of it has to do with us um, listening to what their, their uh, concerns are and and how how policies are affecting their everyday lives and how to improve it. That's why we're an action council. Um, but uh, so it, it entails going out into the community, speaking to a lot of people. And so um, so on a few occasions, I've had such great uh, it put, you know, great perspective uh, m- moments where. Um, so, for example, when when the uh, when the 2008 crash occurred, right, um, you know, and we were going to go into a depression and, you know, a recession. And um, I was talking to somebody from from the North Country, 
I was at, at we have a, a uh, up in right near the uh, the uh, the Canadian border. We you know I had to go to an event there, and I was talking to some of our members, and I was saying, yeah, they, you know, it's really tough, and the the economy, it's going to get bad. You know, she said, you know, when I was growing up, it was the you know in the middle of the depression. One of the things that you know we did was you know we have land, we can um, we grew our food. <laughs> so we didn't have to worry about from up there. She's always yeah. up there, right? So, so you have this, right? So you know, it's how people coped, and and so she was. I mean, obviously, she was concerned what was happening, but she knew that there was going to be a solution, and there's there'll be a solution, and we'll get through this. And don't worry, because you know she's comforting me. It was great, but um. But so, it, but so you said perspective, though. Just you said, you know, I, I took down a note and I put it on my. Mm-hmm monitor here said you cannot buy experience and and perspective now we're talking about that she was able to hey listen alvarez i've been through this right no like let me give you a hug like right like like, we've been down this road before which is you know uh, uh, god i mean priceless having having that sort of perspective right again it wasn't um a big economist telling me this or somebody from a university it was just somebody that i just happened to be having a conversation with that had that that experience and 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 those are are the things that you know we go I go through that almost every day with the kind of work that we do another another um another one that I would like to share is um back in uh when um the first George Bush was president um that's when they tried to start privatizing medicare and social security and um you know we along with a a lot of our, our our coalition partners were against are against that, um, and uh, so we were we were educating the community about what uh, what you know what the facts were if if uh, Medicare or Social Security were were to be privatized how that would affect them and you know and it was funny because you know you go into a senior center you go into you know you meet and they're they're they've been raised to be um, very polite people. Right. So which is one of the reasons I'm always telling them, you know, fast forward, you know, with these help with these scammers that call you on the phone, I'm always telling them to hang up the phone, but they're very polite and they, they don't. So I'm talking to them and about, oh, you know, this is what will happen if Medicare Social Security is privatized and, you know, <laughs> and you would see the basically a visceral change in their demeanor. Because they understood and they said, there's nobody who's going to take away my Social Security or Medicare, because that is something that I've worked for. I've paid into my whole life. And it's a promise that was made to us. And we will fight for that. And and to this day, that that still goes on. Um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the other um, the the other uh, campaigns that are going on in the city with, for example, the, the New York City retirees that are that their health care is be, is is under under attack right now. Yeah. Um, and and uh, where a point where it looks like it was going to be a done deal, they got together and they said, no, this is not happening. And they are in court right now. So, you know, so seniors have a resilience. They're strong. They're they're resilient people. And um, again, they they know They've been around, and but I have to tell you something, Tommy. I want to I want to clear something up here. It's not because I mean, obviously, they want they they need to stay, um, you know, they 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 need to stay living, um, you know, and having having a good quality of life. That's what everybody wants in this life, right? But a lot of it is not really about them because they've already earned and gotten what they're what what they've worked for. A lot of them are concerned about their children and grandchildren. It's about the future gen- generation. These are not greedy geezers saying, oh, I want all of the, you know, all, all of the benefits for me and forget everybody else. This is about really, they believe so much in what they have attained in life that they want to make sure that in the future, their children, their grandchildren, future generations can also enjoy a, a similar quality of life, or if not better. I mean, like, listen, isn't that, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing here, right? Exactly. Creating a better world for when we leave, right? Just leave this place, whatever that place is. It could be, you know, you might be walking down the street and you see some trash laying on the street. Pick it up. Pick, know, it, up. pick it up. I know I know you didn't put it there. I know. But right. freaking 
just pick it up. Like it ain't a big deal. Pick it up and put it in the, the, the you know, garbage pails right there. But in a, on a grand global scale, how do we improve this, this planet, this place for, for those who are coming and, you know, certainly I, I definitely have children. I hear them. I know they're here somewhere today. It's like a half a day or an hour or some kind of some kind of school thing like that. But I, so future generations, I want to just the, we're going to we're going to go to a break right now. But <clears throat> here's what I want everybody to listen to. So when, when Marie and I were talking the other day, I said, what even is a senior like age wise? Right. So, so I checked this out just now. And if I did my math right. So. We talk about the boomers, right? We talk about the baby boomers, which is a whole nother joke because one of my sons thinks he's funny because he calls me boomer. And I go, no, 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 dude, you don't understand. I'm not a boomer. He goes, all right, whatever, whatever, boomer. And I'm like, you don't get it. Like, that's not just a rude thing to say to me. It, it actually means something. You're using the term incorrectly. So I go, I'm not a boomer. And he's like, what? Again, yeah, whatever, boomer. And so, but baby boomers, if I've done my math right from, from 46 to 64, 1946 to 64. Exactly. Those are people who are 58 years old or 58 years young to 76 years young. Is that, are those numbers right? Yes, that's not, absolutely correct. They're not old people, man. I know 58 right. years old starting their, their third and fourth career or, or business and, you know, whatever. So we'll talk about those ages. We'll talk about what it means to be a senior. We'll talk about the programs, the impact that the org is making. This is Philanthropy and Focus. That's Maria and I'm Tommy D. We'll be right back. Thanks, Maria. <laughs> Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So come through all the static. All right, listen, if you're not so busy on a Friday morning between 10 a.m. and 11 a.m., do yourself a favor, cut through the static, join me in my attic. You know, that's like the remix of that song, because I, I get, when you, you know, when it's your song, you can just sing it however you want to sing it. So that's how I wanted to sing it right there. All right, so we're back in the attic. The show is called Philanthropy and Focus. My guest, we're featuring Maria Alvarez, Executive Director of Statewide, excuse me, New York Statewide Senior Action Council. And I'm looking over there because I'm going to share the webpage when we either uh, during the segment or when we go to the next break, and we'll show the uh, the website. But it says in big bold letters, it says statewide, and it says. <laughs> 50th anniversary in the middle so we joked the other day and i was like because i did a video about like this show that we were going to do the show and then you and i spoke on monday quickly and i was like it says grassroots organization but i was like is that a misnomer it's a 50 year old organization we were like playful with that whole thing like i would think if i'm 50 years old right you know i'm like not really a grassroots thing anymore like i'm big and established but you know, you sort of explain that to me and I sort of see some clarity on that. Like grassroots really, and correct me if I'm wrong and please respond here, but like 
being in the community, doing the stuff, being part of the fabric, right? Talk to me a little bit about the, you know, the kind of the genesis. I mean, in my notes, I wrote down, you know, why was this organization necessary, which is what we want to talk about today. And then why is it 50 years later, still necessary and incredibly relevant? So let's start there if we could. Okay. Yeah. So uh, New York, so we're a 50 year organization, like, like you said, um, and we were founded in 1972, um, and it was it came from the need because 30% of senior citizens in the country, but definitely in New York State, uh, were were in poverty. You know, we're 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 we're, we're living below the, the poverty level. 30% people were not making ends meet. They did not have health insurance. You know, so even so imagine this: Social Security was enacted in 1935. Right. But Medicare was not enacted until 1965 because people were, you know, did not. So you retired from work and then you barely had any income and you had no no health insurance. So. Imagine, imagine that right now. I mean, now all of us have health insurance. We've we've been able to 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 get that, um, you know, through through different um, acts along the way. But um, but back then you didn't have health insurance. So what did a person do after they retired if they were not let Let's say that they they didn't have enough, uh, you know, a high paying job. Let's say they they didn't, you know. Let's say there were women who were in in the who were not in the workforce. They were raising their families. What happens, right? It's very common in that generation, right? Right, and it's still common now. And I can get into that later in terms of caregivers. But but um, anyway, so in 1971, there was um, a the first White House conference on aging, where um, people from all over, aging advocates from all over the country, uh, got together, and it was. Um, it was uh, it was deemed that there should be funding for for the elderly to become socially active and and um, empowered to to fight for their own rights. Um, and that was very significant because from there, uh, uh, the, the, the federal government gave out what was called the war on poverty funds and the war on poverty funds. You know, I, it wasn't just the seniors, but since we're talking about the elderly here, you know, it was it was sort of like a community action grant for for people of all ages. But um, in New York State, it took it took the shape of. Um, a number of, of advocates throughout and activists throughout the state in Rochester, Syracuse, New York City, Albany, that got together and said, OK, this is going to be the beginning of the social action movement for seniors. Um, now, um, so what it so um, one thing that we pride ourselves at statewide is that our board of directors, we're, we're consumer governed and directed is how we, we put it. Meaning that our board of directors, number one, is representative of all regions of New York State. We have chapters throughout the the nine regions. We have nine chapters. Ten Long Island is the one that needs to to come back a little bit. So, if you have any people in Long Island interested, (laughs) I happen to be I happen to be standing in an attic on Long Island. Ironically, who knew? But well, yeah, we need to reorganize it because we have some very. But I'm not, again, I'm not a senior, Maria. doesn't matter. Six we, years away. I think I'm going to be a senior in six years. And if I go downstairs later on, I'm apparently a boomer. <laughs> You'll be a boomer. <laughs> be, depending on where I am in the house is how old I really am, apparently. But when we'll talk about that, because later in the show, I always like to say, what's the future? What do we need connection-wise? So we'll talk about Long Island for sure. Right, sure. But um, just to let you know that... Um, our board of directors recognizing that the, that 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 the, the the population 65 and over is actually growing um, reduced the the uh, the age of which anybody can become a member of statewide. So if you're 18 years old and you're interested in this, we're not going to turn what you know. Why would I turn you away if you want to help us with our movement? But um, so anyway, so our board of directors is composed. They're all volunteers and they're composed of of uh, chapters of, I mean, I'm sorry, of of people who come from those chapters, but they're all seniors, they're all consumers. Um, and then, um, you know, we were talking about our 50th anniversary. Um, every year we get together, um, all of our members, whoever can come, comes together for our annual convention. 
And while our convention is wonderful because it's, um, you know, we have a lot of the, the, the latest information on, on the field of aging and, and, and the members like it also, not because they just get together and they, they, they formed um, really nice bonds, but also because they take the information back to their communities, which is what a grassroots organization does, right? People in a grassroots movement take information back and spread it around to their communities so that then we can get more strength and, and awareness. But more importantly, we um, they vote, our members vote on their on our legislative agendas, both federal and state every single year. Um, to make sure that we are addressing the needs that the membership wants addressed. It's not because I said something is important or somebody in my staff says, oh, this is this looks good. No, it's we have an agenda that has been voted and ratified by our members and updated every year. Furthermore, we also have a public policy committee made up of the of members as well. Um, that gets together monthly to review any um, any other issues that might arise in you know in the you know between conventions to see if they are issues that we should be um, addressing, getting more information about, or bringing to our members um, throughout the year and at the next convention. So it's it's so we pride ourselves that we have a good um, a good hand on on what's going on in the community not only through our three helplines, we have three helplines that provide services um, that are free and unbiased. Uh, our counselors are all certified through the state and federal governments um, to provide uh, help on things like health insurance, um, affordable pre prescription drugs, healthcare fraud prevention, as well as patients' rights for people who are in a hospital or an institution. Beyond that, we also do a lot of community outreach. We have chapters um, in nine regions of the of the state, and uh, we also we come out into the community. Anybody invites us, we're there. We like to be out. Yeah, and we have teach-ins, and you know now now in COVID, we've we've done a lot of um, virtual activities. So now we have teach-ins where uh, we talk about issues that might be coming up and might be hearing about. And and also um, because of the issues with the um, with the uh, nursing homes, you know, we were hearing a lot from from the employers. We were hearing a lot of from the nursing homes about the the, the hardships they were going through in in the public. But I, I, we felt that that residents and family members needed to get more information about what their rights are because it was just very confusing and to be able to to see how the policies that were being enacted were affecting them so that then we could we could do some advocacy on their behalf i mean so much here i what better type of organization than than one that is influenced and really driven by the membership who are in the communities who know what's needed and it's not from up on high maria and team are making up this thing it's you as a as a servant leader are exactly. reacting to the needs of the community right and exactly and, and seeing what do you want what do you need how can we help let's find that and then bring you that resource right that's perfectly put. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's I, so I have a lot here that I've written down. This has been kind of a heck of an education for me. Um, I do want to, we, you know, we kind of talked about Long Island. I do want to talk about that later in the show about how I might be able to impact um, you. And while I say that I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our friend and colleague who connected us, because when you play nonprofit sector connector, as I do, and you hang out with a lot of great people, you meet somebody like Vicki Elner. My oh friend, my gosh. who I spoke, <laughs> I just spoke to Vicky yesterday morning. I think she, she said she's listening. I hope you are. If you are, thank you, Vicky. I love you. I appreciate you being here, making this connection. Um, but you know, I, I met Vicky many, many years ago through her organization, Senior Umbrella Network of Brooklyn, Sunbee, and she's been involved in in this community for many, many, many moons. And um, so it, it's that kind of opportunity and connection that makes me be able to have meet somebody like you and and get out here and be able to tell this story. Vicky has been um, not only a, a friend, but also a, a, a wonderful partner in, in all of the things that we do. And she's super involved with statewide and, and with Brooklyn wide. And I always, we, we always support each other. So I'm, yes, I'm very grateful that she, she introduced us as well. Yeah. She's a great woman. And, and uh, I'll, Vicky, I don't know if you'll remember this and then we'll go to break in a second, but 
a bunch of years ago in Brooklyn, you had an event at a golf course and you had like a bunch of cool jewelry on. And at the time, so my, one of my daughters is nine and this is probably seven years ago. And I was like, Vicky, my daughter would love your whole scene, man. You're like with the jewelry and the whole thing. The energy. Yeah. And I was like the whole vibe. And so Vicky, I miss you. I haven't seen you in real life, only on these screens and on phones. So, So I hope sometime we can get together pretty soon, but At this point, we do have to go to a quick break again. When we come back, we're going to talk more about impact. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about potentially we'll get into a little bit about where the organization is going and the need. I have a lot of notes and and things that I pulled off the website that I want to go into. So this is Philanthropy in Focus. Maria Alvarez is here, New York State Senior Wide Action Council. Not just any old council. This is an action council, meaning they do stuff, right? It's not just pushing buttons. There's real stuff that goes on here. Maria, we will be right back after this break. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. I'd just like to give a quick shout out to uh, Brendan Levy, who I will be introducing you to, Maria, who's a friend of mine. And I am sharing the website, folks. So this is statewide's website right here. But I, I um, Brendan from the Queen's Chamber of Commerce actually wrote that song and sings that song for me. So he's a friend of mine, Maria. And I want to, as I looked at my notes during break, I said Queen's Chamber. And I said, I remember we talked about that on Monday. So I want to hook you up with the Chamber because I think they can be some, there's going to be some value added. Uh, there as well, but I am showing the website. You'll see a lot to check out here. There's an 800 number. Is that a hotline number right there, Maria? Yes, that that's that 800 number is the number that you call for everything. So we have three helplines that run through that. If you just have a question, a comment, whatever, just give us a call there. We want to hear from you. All right. So if you're only listening and not watching, that 800 number is 1-800-333-4374, one 333 four three seven four i'm going to stop my screen share in a second so you'll get to see maria and i again and we are back on the show all right so listen to this in 1995 maria had the honor of being named one of new york state's delegates to the white house conference on aging and she participates in a number of these advisory boards boards of directors and coalitions that are in the space what do i always talk about right It's about sharpening your saw. It's about staying current. It's about staying involved. In 2019, she was awarded the Advocates Award by the New York State Society on Aging. Maria, whether you want it or not, you're in this space. This is your space, man. This is it. You know, I know know there's no turning back here. (laughs) No turning back now. You're all in, kid. I mean, just to say, like, you know, going back to uh, that, my handwriting is kind of sloppy here, but the Puerto Rican, Hispanic, what were the... uh, 
on aging. What was the name of that organization again? The Institute for the Puerto Rican Hispanic Elderly. So that goes back. I mean, it's all these years and and, and to where you are now. So I, I have a lot of things here. I wrote down age-friendly banking, New York State observation laws, patient handling law, refunding of elderly pharmacy. Like, let's talk about some of those initiatives too, like impact-wise, what's happened and, and what's out there. So, um, okay. So the way that uh, statewide works is that, so we we get information, right? It could be through our helpline, somebody calling that they need help for, um, you know, uh, with their billing, or they think that they might have given away their, their Medicare information without realizing it, and somebody might be able, you know, it's almost like identity theft, but, but it's health identity theft. Um, they might say, I, I, you know, what one, I'll give you one example. One was the observation status. People were calling us on our helplines and saying, um, I'm receiving these bills from, from the hospital or from, you know, saying that I owe them $30,000 or $20,000. I've been in the hospital before. I've been in the hospital for this reason before, and I've never been responsible for this. What, what is this? Um, and, you know, and of course, our population is they don't like bills. <laughs> they they like paying things off. They get nervous. Get it. Yeah. Like, I don't want this on my credit. Yeah. Or, right, and so. they get nervous if they see that, that you know, something is happening, you know, that they're being charged, especially, you know, anybody would be nervous with a $30,000 bill. So so we and we kept on getting it. So once we start hearing it, and then we go out into the community and we start, you know, giving presentations and people coming up to us saying, look, I have this issue, these bills. So then we start seeing that there are trends, you know, our board members start calling us and telling us this is what's happening. So what we found was that um, there was, as a result of the Affordable Care Act, when, you know, Obamacare, how most people know it, when it was passed, um, they identified that Medicare, a lot of Medicare beneficiaries were being readmitted into the hospital for, um, you know, many times and many times very quickly, but also for the same reasons. So what the Center for Medicare Medicaid Services, um, you know, uh, concluded was that they were not being discharged properly into the community. You know, there's a whole host of things that you have to ensure that a, a facility should, should ensure before discharging somebody into the community. Um, so they said, well, if that's the case that you are discharging people improperly, we are going to p- penalize the hospital or the nursing home for doing that. And we will only be paying them at the rate of outpatient, you know, in, you know, because there's a difference between inpatient and outpatient. Up to then, most people thought observation, you know, I'm putting you in for observation, right? You, you hear that all the time. You think that that's just a figure of speech. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a billing term. So anyway, people were not aware of this and they were being, so the hospital said, well, great. I'm not going to admit that we're not going to admit patients. We're just going to place them under observation. Well, because so the, uh, from, from a financial standpoint, they go, well, if you're not going to pay us for it, well, then we're not going to keep you around, right? Right. Well, we're not. We're going to what's going to happen is that then there's an implication on who's who's paying for the service and how much. Right. OK. So it's, especially if you are going into a nursing home, let, let's say you broke your hip. Right. And this is for Medicare beneficiaries. Right. So so if you, you broke your hip and um, you're being placed under observation and not being an admitted. Right. And putting you into a nursing home, guess who's paying? It's not Medicare. Medicare is not going to pay for that because you were not never admitted into the hospital. You didn't spend three nights, you know, all of these things that they have. Right. And so people were, were coming home from a nursing home with, you know, $30,000, $90,000 worth of service and not knowing why. They were never informed that this was an issue. So this came so, up. This came up to you and your awareness and the organization's awareness after it was happening to people, right? Right. When, yeah. And this was a new wrinkle. I mean, it's not like observation status was anything new. It's just that it was being employed more as a tactic. So, so it's that feedback loop with the community, with the grassroots nature of things. You go, oh shoot, there's something here that we need to now look at and educate our folks and and get it to the local chapters and get the data out again, right? Right, and get the information out. And, you know, we we make toolkits, um, you know, 
with brochures that then inform people. And then we make presentations and we disseminate in the community. Um, so, but what ended up happening was um, we were able to, to get the New York state, le- you know, this is a federal issue. So that initially the, the legislature was saying, well, this is a federal issue. So, but we were saying the issue here is that nobody knows that this is happening. So we need to require the hospitals to tell, to inform the patient that they are being placed under observation so that they are prepared and that they could call their insurance company or that they could make other arrangements so because they deserve to know how, how they're going to be treated and what's going to be the after effect of this. How, so, how important is it in, in, so, you know, give another shout out. Vicky says thanks for the shout out. So Vicky, of course, we love you. So, but I, one of the ways I know Vicky as well, where I see her is through the Health and Business Alliance, which is an organization here uh, that I'm on the board of for a number of years. And uh, there's some, there's patient advocates that are members of that group. And how important is it in your experience for, for these seniors to have somebody, you know, Caregivers, there's this whole talk about caregivers. I mean, I've also, I've recently, I'd say in the last 18 to 24 months, realized I am actually part of the sandwich generation. Like I sort of knew it technically, but I, there was no real impact of it. But now within the last about two years, I've seen the real impact with some, some family stuff going on. Um, so from a caregiver perspective, how, how often does the organization engage with advocates and caregivers and, and things like that? Well, we, I mean, we obviously, um, we have, you know, one thing about statewide, we we work in coalition with a lot of other organizations. We obviously can't do everything ourselves. So, so we, we definitely have, um, you know, organizations that we work with constantly that we, we have, you know, at certain points we have common interests. So we, we, we strategize together um, and we, we, we represent, um, we and we make presentations at each other's meetings and things like that. But the thing is that what happened in that case was that the constituents, the, the our members who are constituents who are very well connected with their elected officials, they they become that. If you're a, if you're a, if you're a member of statewide, it's because you you care, you want to make a difference. So these are people who are also leaders in other organizations. They activated their their members. And they started calling the elected officials and and the governor's office late later on when it was necessary. And we were able to get the first observation status law in the country that then became national law. And that basically says that within 24 hours, a patient needs to be verbally and um, and and orally told that that they're being um, placed under observation and um, to and what they can do about that. Um, and in the covid the, the uh, observation status has been relaxed and we hope that it just goes away because it's really a terrible thing to, to even have a terrible policy to even have. If you're sick, you should get, you should just get uh, care. But, um, but that's, that's sort of the model of how we, how we get things done. Yeah. So I want to, if you could differentiate for me, we only have a, a minute or so before we go to break, but it, when you say member, I think, like, can anyone who's of age become a member to be connected? Is it, is there a membership fee? And then there's, you know, these other folks that I'm seeing as a different class or different grouping of, like, the actionable members. Like, can you just differentiate that real quick? Before? Yeah, well, we have, well, so we are made up of individuals, caregivers, any, like I said, anybody 18 and over a resident of New York State can join us. And or organizations as well join us, right? And um, our memberships are very nominal. It's twenty dollars for an individual membership a year, um, and I think twenty five for a couple, something like that. Forty for a couple, and you could become a, an, a, a, a lifetime member too. And um, it's it's more the commitment to you know it's it's a very it's it's the price of a magazine if you right. if you subscribe. Yeah. So, yeah, so we encourage people to 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 join so, us. So there could be just like I and I don't mean just, but I could simply be a member like to receive access to services or yeah. I could be somebody who's involved with the mission and the advocacy. Is that like are those no, people- access to services is for anybody? Oh, access you don't to have services. to be a member to. Yeah, because we're 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 funded through the government. So we do not turn anybody away. 
Um, okay, so when I say member paying my small nominal fee, now I'm in the game. I'm part of the mission. I'm, you know, right, right. Okay. You could be right. I can carry them all down the field. Understood. Yeah. Got it. All right. So this is cool. We're going to take a quick break. Um, so much here. I have papers everywhere. I've been writing a lot of notes. So here's when we come back. I want to talk about the future of the organization, what the organization needs. And we can even talk about that, what some have told me, and I've lived here my whole life, but is eventually going to be the 51st state. I don't know if that's true. Long Island, <laughs> I, I, 44 years, I haven't really seen anything like that. But it, it would, I don't think it would, if, even if it was another state, it wouldn't make it any easier to get off this island because I had to get off this island the other day and it's a nightmare to do. So sometimes it's just. I know better. somebody told me it took two and a half hours to get into Manhattan one the other morning. It's the, it's not even, I, that's why I don't leave anymore. <laughs> so, so we will be right back to, uh, to talk about the future of this incredible organization. Thanks, Maria. We'll be right back. Thank you. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So come through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Join me in my attic, please. That's uh, It's like a thought. It's not really a request or a statement. Just join me in the attic. But don't literally join me in the attic because there's no room. All right. So this is philanthropy and focus. 3.2 million. 3.2 million is the number of residents of New York State 65 years or older. Um, that's, the, that's a bit larger than the entire population of 21 states. I, I don't even understand how that's like, I have to check the statistics, but the internet told me that. So maybe it's, it, tell me about that, Maria, because it says 16% of New Yorkers are 65 years or older. This is a big uh, portion. And not, you know, we talked, you, you and I, I was joking would be the wrong way to say this, but we, we talked about this earlier in the week and it was like 65 years old years ago was you retire and tragically, you know, you're not around a couple of years later, you know, now we, you, you and I did kind of chuckle about this. You got half a life left, like uh, potentially after 50 years old, 55 years old. Right. So let's, let's discuss how many people we're addressing and, and then really where, uh, what we're going to go in the future. Okay. So um, yes. So, but your, your statistics are, are true. Um, 3.2 million uh, seniors in New York state, 16% of the population. But think about it. And by the year 2030, it's going to be 25% of the population. That's just eight years away. 25% of New York state will be 65 and over. And potentially not working. Now we know plenty of people are going to be working, but that's a, that right, could, but they're just starting at 65. Right. Obviously it's adding on right, right. to what's yeah. already here. So not only are they not working, um, 
although a lot of a lot of seniors do are still working now and and we're seeing that trend where more people are are staying in the workforce later um or you know longer or rejoining longer for a few reasons one is because they're still vital right i mean i know that some when i was growing up 65 seemed so old and everything 65 today you know you're still young you were telling me about about your grandmother having been 71 i was like oh that was very young <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, the thing about it is, like, I, I used, it's funny, because I don't know about you, but I remember, like, retirement used to be, like, a destination to go to, right? Like, that was, yeah. like, a Are you going to sit down and, yeah, and like, you just a like, pina colada? And obviously, just, there's being that, or, like, pink lemonade. Remember the old time, the, I can't remember, the country time lemonade, the two old yeah. guys? Yeah. <laughs> on the rocking chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, like, on the, on the porch. Like, I thought that was retirement, but, like, I don't actually ever see me not doing, like, things anymore. Right. Like, like what is that? Like, I would rather weave my retirement into the next 50 years. Like, be retired one day a week, like, or two days a week or whatever. Right, and people do that. You yeah, know? you know what I mean? And for different reasons, like I said. Some is because they're still able to do it and they want to. Some is because they, you know, um, they can't afford to to not get an income, um, for a while. Like we were talking about the other day, I was telling you the the person who has, who is, who's going to live to be 120 years old is already born. So yeah. if you're going to live to 120, I know my, my family lives forever. So I'm going to li- live to a hundred. Um, I, if I, if, if they retire at 65, they still have potentially 55 more years to live. Now, Let's think about that. What is my life going to be? What is going to look like at 65 and then going um, afterwards? Am I going to be able Did I was I able to even save enough money to be able to afford that? Um, You know, the actuaries are showing, you know, you were talking about the the sandwich generation. The the issue with that is that many people in the sandwich generation are taking care of their children and they're taking care of their parents. If the parents cannot afford a lot of things, and it's shown um, that caregivers end up end up paying um, somewhere close to 20% of their own incomes on issues that they need to resolve for their parents. That's really scary. Like, and it came up for me the other day, I was listening to, you know, some folks might be familiar with Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. So I was listening to, I've been into his stuff for years, but I was cleaning out the garage on, I think it was Sunday. And I was listening on my phone to some of his stuff, something he he wrote a long time ago called the cash flow quadrant. And he was talking in terms of what we talk about a lot about assets and liabilities. And, you know, while this is not a financial show, it's, you know, people think their home is an asset. In actuality, it's a liability. He said, you know what else could be a liability? People, family. Mm -hmm a drain. So, you know, and, and I don't mean that to sound negative. I'm just trying to be practical for everybody, but that could be a situation where if, if your adult parents have not done the proper planning, right. Uh, well, they're sort of now on, you're kind of on your payroll. And what does that look like as a, you know, if you're no disrespect to anybody, but if you're just a W tour and you don't have other businesses and different, right, you don't have active, right. You don't have things active going income on. coming yeah, in. Yeah. And maybe you're a person who was like, well, I'm going to be a, 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 you know, a pensioner. I'm going to retire at some point myself. Well, how now you're supporting, you know, you might be 65, but they're 82 or 85 or whatever. They, and, they're, and they're not, and they're going to be around for a longer time. And that's the issue. How do you afford that? But, you know, there's another, another wrinkle to all of this, Tommy, which I hate to bring up, but for example, many women um, have been in and out of the, uh, of the world of work throughout their entire careers. Why? Because uh, traditionally, you know, now men are doing this too, but tra- traditionally women are, you know, care for their children. So they take off because they need to. T- and then many times the caregiver for the parents is is the daughter, right? Mm-hmm. So I've seen many cases where they have to leave work or reduce work or not get an advancement in work because they can't handle extra responsibilities because they have to care for their parent or their children. So what does that mean in their future, right? They're not accumulating social security quarters, they're not they're not putting money into their into their uh, retirement, right? So when they finally retire, 
potentially they could retire with more need than the person they were caring for, so it right? Just continues, it continues to snowball. Exactly. I, I, we have to leave this part of the conversation there because I want to give you one quick minute to to tell me about what we can do to help and who can who you want to connect with before we before we close the show. Oh well, I want to connect with everybody. I love <laughs> everybody that I saw on her was reaching out. That that is great. No, but really. Um, we need we need people who are interested. If you are interested in making a difference in the community, um, join us. Join us on our. We have uh, telephone teach-ins. We have virtual family councils. They have, these are all free and open to the community. You can check us out and see if you like what we're doing. Um, we definitely uh, we're having a 50th anniversary. Come to Saratoga Springs. It's right after when is that? the first time in two years. It's in person. When is that? September 12th to the 14th. We are, so it's right after Labor Day. The kids are back in schools and and the weather's still nice in Saratoga Springs. Beautiful up there. Yeah, yeah. And come, um, it's only three days. It's it's over a period of three days. And um, we have a great time. And if not, just come to go go to Saratoga Springs. Uh, We have a lot of elected officials, a lot of the, the committee chairs on aging and health come. And um, and it's a very special year. It's 50, 50 years. So you'll see a good perspective of where we've been, where we're at and where we're going. Maria, thank you for being my friend. It sounds like uh, Golden Girls. And <laughs> talk about people who age well. Betty White. Unfortunately, we lost Miss Betty White. But I, mean, I know she's 100 years old. We talk a lot right about before. that. On, yeah, we talk a lot on Pals, the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, which I do with my partner in that project, Valerie Heffron, here on the network on Wednesdays. So 1-800-333-4374, that's how you get the organization. Or if you're on the internet, you go to nysenior.org, nysenior.org. Maria, thanks for being here. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I'm a member. I'll be a member. And I also want to talk to you about connecting you with the Queen's Chamber, which I'm happy to sponsor. I can think of a bunch of things that I want to do with you. (laughs) Plus, I'm going to do a day of service. Vicky and I were talking about yes. it. I'm going to do a day service on behalf of you. I might be joining you in that. Oh my God, how fun. All right. Well, both <laughs> yeah. you're wearing red, I'll wear red. It'll be very cool. It's not, yeah, that's we'll the, stay white red always, you know? Very cool. <laughs> maybe. All right. So listen, this has been Philanthropy and Focus. I am always your nonprofit sector connector. Come back here next week, please. I'd like to see you again. It's very special to have you all visit me in the attic because I actually have a little note that I'll share with you and then we got to go. Little Flower Children and Family Services of New York. Corinne Hammonds, the uh, CEO, will be here with me. Little note for you guys. I'm actually the MC of their gala, uh, their virtual gala, which is in a few weeks in May. More to come on that, but Corinne and I will be talking about it next week. Sam Leibowitz, thank you for your leadership on the other side of the glass, as they say in the business, although there's really no other side of the glass. We're in separate rooms, in separate buildings, and all that kind of stuff. But I appreciate your leadership, Sam. Maria, it was so fun hearing you, seeing you. Have a great day, everybody. I'm Tommy D. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So come through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Uplift, educate, empower. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? 
Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.